What's up, guys? Welcome to The Jay Martin Show. And my guest today is the Economic Ninja. Today, we dive into a handful of his forecasts, including 20% mortgages he believes are coming soon, central bank-issued digital currencies rolling out this July, and diesel and food shortages that he thinks are going to get super real over the next year or two. As always, there's a link in the description beneath this video where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I publish it every Sunday. I absolutely love writing it. I share my key takeaways and action items from conversations just like this and plenty others. Here's the Economic Ninja. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Jay Martin Show. And I'm joined right now by the Economic Ninja. It's good to have you on the show. Thanks. Hey, for thank time. you so much, Jay, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this. So right before I hit record, you dropped a number on me that I want to pull on that thread right away. You said 20% mortgages are coming. And I know you just launched the Real Estate Ninja channel, your backgrounds in real estate. So, so walk me through that thesis, because that's big news. That's a big yeah. prediction. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it does blow me away that people um, don't understand uh, history. They just feel and understand what they're living in right now, especially economically. Um, that's why we have collapses or great recessions, right? The day that everybody runs down to the bank and bangs on the door and goes, where's my money? That happened in the crash of 29. In 2008, we had people calling up their banks because their credit lines were literally suspended, regardless if they're on time with their payments and they had an 800 FICO score. Uh, people don't understand historical cycles when it comes to economics and real estate. Now, to, to go to talk about 20% plus mortgage rates, we have to go back to what Paul Volcker did, where he was, you know, uh, the hero, quote unquote, because he spiked rates above inflation. That was first off a totally different day back then as it is now, because we didn't have the out of control. I mean, we had money printing on a grand scale back then, but nothing like it has been since 2001, since the dot-com bubble burst. And this economy has literally had a massive band-aid over over the top of it, and that was low interest rates and easy lending through the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government. A lot of stimulus programs and things have gone into the economy since 2001. But back then, when Paul Volcker spiked those rates, we saw the uh, home mortgages hit a all-time high of around 18 and three quarters percent. That was an all-time yeah. high, and that quelled inflation. Now, what nobody tells you in the history books. When he did that is what it did to the real estate market. It absolutely stopped sales. Now, that being said, the average mortgage before that happened was 12 to 13%, okay? So there was a totally different, it wasn't a massive spike. What we've seen in the last year is insane already on a percentage basis. And we've already seen uh, across the board, housing prices starting to get cut 10% across the board because interest rates and mortgage rates have doubled. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe that you're going to see something much worse. And the reason why is because we have a falling, a crashing bond market. And the size of the, the outflows in the bond market are, are literally just like what we saw in the crash of 29. And that movement of money going into the stock market are giving people a false sense of um, uh, confidence because they're seeing their 401ks going up. But what's going to happen is we're going to see this deteriorate more. And as other countries continue to sell their treasury bonds, because they're becoming less, uh, they're becoming worthless, quite frankly, because they can go and do trade now in their own currency, we're going to see our 10-year continue to spike up. That is going to bring mortgages up. There's a lot more to it, but that's just a general overview. But it's good. It's a good relativity argument because you mentioned, yes, 18%, 18 and three quarters or a quarter percent, you know, 
back in Voker's day, but that was up from 12. So it sounds like a really big number, but it's really, you know, over that time period is maybe a 50% increase. Whereas right now we're already looking at about a 200% increase to date, right? Yes. So climbing from zero is a completely different story. What happens forecasting? Like, what are you, what are you expecting in the real estate market then three to five years down the road? How are you expecting main markets to perform? So that's a great question. So, so first I want to explain that, um, uh, the reason why I call for over 20% is because, again, during a panic in a liquidity event, what happens is when there's fewer people or industries, um, companies willing to loan money out, the, the, the rate at which they want back becomes higher. So that's one thing I want people to understand. I do not believe the Fed is going to be the lender of last resort. A lot of people do because there's a point where the Fed wants to pull back and sit back and allow this to happen. People don't understand that. They love when these things turn down because then they can pick up assets for pennies on the dollar. They want to put themselves in a position in the front of the public eye. They go, we're afraid to intervene because if we do, we're going to have an exact reset of the last two cycles mm -hmm. since 2001 when we intervened and, and caused an inflation. So they're going to use that as an example. Like It's going to sound crazy, but I really believe that's going to happen. Now, in three to five years, I'm glad to use that, that um, time frame because people don't realize how long this is going to take to flesh out or flush out through the economy. See, real estate, and I, I gave you an example earlier that construction is a lagging indicator. When you see all this building and excitement, you know, in the real estate market and all these new homes, people think that the real estate market's on fire. It actually isn't. It was on fire four years ago because a contractor had to go, you know what? Why am I building houses for other people? I should build one for myself or development. They take time to go out and get the, the buy the land, get the permits, do the building and then sell, right? Yeah. And it's always just like in 2007, at the end of the bubble, that's when the amount of homes being built was at its most. Yes. Now, not only do you have that lagging indicator, you have the indicator of people that are losing their jobs, just like we saw in 2008. We didn't see the peak amount of homes hitting the market until 2010 and 2011 um, when that it took forever for people to stop making their payments or get a little behind. They would make one payment, not make the next, and they make the other one. Then they would go into straight three or four months of not making payments. Then the bank has a year of negotiating or paying them off to take their home legally. They weren't allowed ever to to legally take their homes back then. People don't realize that. That's why they had to offer cash for keys and have you sign a document if you held out that long stating that you relinquish your ownership of this home. That's what people understand because those loans are made illegally. But then, then they hit the open market, which consequently uh, hit around the same time that silver and gold prices were spiking. Why? Uh -huh. Because of all the amount of stimulus in there. So three years would be the earliest, or actually I'm going to give it two years because I believe that time is compressing because this crash will happen much faster than the Lehman Brothers incident. I believe within uh, two years to three years, we're going to start seeing uh, a lot of bank foreclosures hitting the market that are you know, open, they're not occupied, they're not short sales, and that you could actually buy directly from the banks. Interesting. Now, do you watch, do you watch the Canadian market at all? Very little. So I do little right now, but I really focused on it back in, what was it, 2017, 2018, when the stories were coming out from uh, Chinese uh, people were buying up mar literally mansions that were destroyed, and they were yeah. bidding them up because in trying to get money out of their country. So I followed yeah. that very closely back then, but not lately now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still a, you know, I mean, I don't know, main driver, it's still a driver up here for sure. Definitely on the West coast, especially if you made a bit of money and you live in mainland China and you have some questions about the uh, future of your government's uh, 
due process, you want to get some cash out of the country and parking it in a Vancouver house or condo is a great, it's a great money garage, right? Historically. Yeah. Now, I wonder about the future perception of that. We've had our own uh, confiscation of financial assets up here over the last 18 months. We've all watched this. So, you know, it sends a message, right? And I wonder what kind of a message that sends to foreign buyers. How secure is that money garage? Is it as secure as it used to be, right? Yeah, especially with the change in politics in Canada, where they just really showed their hand in the last uh, year with certain movements, let's say, yeah. you know, th th there is something that the Fed can do and the government can do, and it would actually be the move in the government, but a nudge by the Fed that could turn housing around on a dime. And I've been warning people about this, because if they do this, sadly, you're going to have to dive into the real estate market because it's going to cause prices to spike again. And that is the invention of the 40 year or 50 year government-backed loan product. And what I want people to understand is back in the 70s when inflation was roaring, their answer to the housing crisis was bringing in a 30-year fixed product that was a mortgage that was backed by the government. So banks felt comfortable lending money that longer, that much longer. And what it did is it reduced the monthly price. And what people didn't realize is they now became slaves to the lender for an additional term in life. And I do believe that that is a plan that they want to to do that and where a lot of people will be excited and they'll dive into the market and speculate, which will cause prices to go up because all people usually care about is the monthly payment. Can I afford that Beamer? Yeah, it's 700 bucks a month. I can pull that off until yeah. the day that you can't. And it's a form of slavery. I hate it. But the sad thing is we have to know as investors, we be, need to be able to pivot the way that the Federal Reserve, the government and other uh, central banks and governments uh, move to be able to make the most amount of profit. So if that happens, then we're going to dive in. But as of right now, banks are already getting into ninja loans. Pardon the bun. Uh, they're getting into uh, uh, no doc, uh, you know, loans where you can just say what you make. Again, we're right back there because they are hemorrhaging money because they can't make money by making loans to you and stealing it through interest. Yeah, that's that's bananas. It's bananas. We're we're far more strict up here in my experience. My wife's American. I'm Canadian, so we look at properties north and south the border. Um, and I would say it's it's surprisingly more lenient every time we look south. Um, not that they're incredibly disciplined up here either, right? There's all kinds of strings you can pull, but regardless. So the 40 or 50 year government backed loan product, that's really interesting. Now you mentioned the 30 year, this I may be showing my inexperience here. How old is the 30 year loan product? Is this- I believe it was, I wanna say it was 74 or, 70 through 74 or 76 when it came okay. out, but I could be totally wrong. I don't have my notes okay. in front of me. Yeah, it's yeah. been a long time since I've studied those cycles, but it was, it's only about- 45, 50 years old. So before that, it was a lot less. And I think yeah. in Canada, it's much mm -hmm. less too. What's the average length of a mortgage? 30 years, typically. Oh, it is 30 years. I apologize. Yeah. Then maybe I'm thinking of Great Britain or somewhere there. It's a lot less, mm. um, which really prices people out because the price, you know, for the mortgage is a lot more. I, um, I think the average is 30. I mean, my, my listeners can tell me if I'm off the mark. I'm not a real estate guru, so I'm the wrong guy to ask that question. But yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. 25, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And again, it's a form of slavery. That's what people don't understand. A car payment is a form of slavery. It's like, why can't we get to paying our house off and then keep saving that house payment until we go buy the next one cash and build up? I'm a huge proponent of using debt to make money. Don't get me wrong. But what nobody on YouTube will ever tell you, these money gurus, they will never tell you this. When you're buying real estate, you need to put yourself in a position where your corporation, your, your holding company is actually getting the loan with an EIN number, not your social security number. Mm. Let the company go to that. Yes, there's, there's, it's not as good of terms as doing it with your social, but that 
again, is a trap because what they can do is if something happens based off of uh, policies that the government puts out and they, they destroy the economy and put us into a deep recession and you lose your job or your tenant lose your job, what happens is it now destroys your credit for seven years and seven year cycles, a very important number to be, for people to understand. And then you're out of business for that the dip in that next cycle. And I saw a lot of real estate investors in 2010 that could not invest in real estate because their credit was destroyed and it would be better to do it inside of an entity. But people on YouTube or these money gurus will not tell you that because only one out of a hundred real estate investors will ever take the time, do the due diligence and put in the work to build a corporation or an entity that makes that kind of profit. Okay, last question on the real estate market. And then I want to pivot to some other stuff. One thing I am watching again, back up here on the West Coast of Canada is that, Developers are sitting on projects and inventory is halted right now. There's not a lot of new inventory hitting the market, but simultaneously our immigration numbers have gone through the roof. So the population skyrocketing. Yep. And you could therefore speculate that we're going to go through 18, 24 months of pain. And I think about 70% of new mortgages in Canada over the last 18 months were variable. And so these, these individuals are getting hit, right? It's a big number, right? Yeah. They're getting hit, right? But, you know, just if we, after this 18, 24 month period, like we're just looking at a surging population and a shortage of supply, you know, so the storm, a lot of the developers I talk to, they're expecting a bit of a storm 24 months down the road where real estate in Western Canada hits all time highs again. Yeah. Do you think there's some validity to that or what's your thought? One, wait, what was the last part? What about the all-time highs? They think it's going to hit? Correct. Okay, so the only reason it's going to hit all-time highs, again, is if we change the uh, the government-backed loan product, go into it like a 40 or 50, or they drop rates back down to zero, right? Um, I do not believe that's going to happen. This is a planned event because we have a central bank digital currency coming in next July. They need you in a position where you need money, just like what happened in 2020. They want you in a position where you need their assistance. It's like, hey, we're from yeah. the government. We're here to help. Yeah. But um, what I want people to understand is, is like those builders that are sitting on all that inventory. First off, in America, we already have REITs, real estate investment trusts that are hurting bad and they they're drastically dropping their dividends uh to their shareholders and it's because they were involved in, i can't even say who it is because they will have a lawsuit shoved up my tail so fast your head will spin because they're so scared right now of of that persona getting out so you, that's happening in america as well now lennar toll brothers all these large builders are already slashing their prices across the board on their websites 10 percent. you can literally go what blows me away is that they show the price put a red line through it and a new price like that helps they should probably not have the old price anymore and just the new price because it shows the consumer like, oh, something's wrong. Oh, wait a minute. If this happened today, if I wait now and sit yeah. back, it may get better. And it's going to. All-time highs are only going to happen if, it, and, and to think that people think that that's going to happen in a mere couple of years is insane. We have a currency changeover around the world happening. Every central bank every government has been getting their digital currency ready uh, because they want more control more um, action, uh, you know, for them to actually intervene in our own accounts. And uh, they want this. So how do you do this? You don't do it when times are good. You do it when times are rough. And then you could just go, hey, download an app real quick. This is an emergency. We'll give you all 20,000 bucks, 30,000 bucks. It doesn't matter. It's called customer acquisition cost. And yeah. that's what they're going to do. And they already built the narrative two years ago. And they said, we can't get all the money out to you guys. Sorry, it's not happening. Everyone yeah. I know yeah. that qualified for a check got a check. But the narrative is already there. So it does tie into real estate because the real estate wealth effect scientifically has been proven is the strongest type of wealth effect, even more than a stock market wealth effect on earth. 
And when that bubble pops, it pops big and it pops fast. But what you're seeing right now as real estate sales stop, and I am in one of the most desired uh, real estate markets in the country, and I am benefiting from the highest gasoline in the country, just like in 08, um, you're seeing uh, sellers get upset, they go into denial and they go, well, heck with this, I'm pulling back. But when their neighbor drops their house, then they go, oh crap, I got to put it back on, drop it a few grand under. And that snowball is already starting. Yeah, okay. All right. I think that you touched on the uh, adoption of CBDCs and the customer acquisition cost. I would speculate it's going to be a lot. It could be a lot less than 20 grand to get people to buy into that program. Let's Sadly, talk about yes. that because you dropped a July. You dropped July as a CBDC rollout. Now, you know, we're watching this up here. Similar Payments Canada on their website says as much as we are developing our own central bank issued digital currency, we have no plans to use it, but we want to be ready for that scenario if and when it occurs. So walk me through your thoughts on CBDC rollouts. Yeah. So first off, they're straight up lying to you. They're not thinking about it. They're not looking at it. They've already done it. They've already written the code, just like the bail-in laws. Everybody, Canada has bail-in laws. Uh, US has bail-in laws, totally opposite of bailouts. We don't have time to explain that here, but go Google it. Um, CBDCs, I first got a hold of the white paper from the CBD, our CBDC uh, out of Yale back in 2016, 2017, and I got to read through it. Um, I got to look at part of the code. However, the inflation portion of the code was blurred out. I was really into crypto at the time. Still am, but you know, I'm, I don't own a crypto business anymore. Um, but uh, really into that, saw the writing on the wall and what they were going to do. And, and then you see things like fednow.gov, where they say the rollout starts in, in July. Then you see the constantly, they've had it written, they've had it running bank to bank, interbank transfers for years now. And then you see our president come out and say, we're considering this. No, they're not considering. They're slowly letting the public know their intentions. Then the president signs an executive order talking about this change up with currencies starting in December. The whole move is to push you into this. And again, you know, I, I read it a long time ago through some Federal Reserve um, uh, documents, some minutes that they are looking into this because it would help the economy so much, it would help the people. In case of an emergency, they could inject liquidity directly into the consumer. For the first time in history, the Federal Reserve will literally uh, bypass the US Treasury and the government, which don't get me wrong, I think they're complete tools too, but it's a scary thing when you have less checks and balances and you have a privately owned central bank giving you money or taking away. Right. And um, that is happening in July. It says it right there. It's extremely clear. But what blows me away is that most people have no concept it's happening. And you're and I, I agree with you, you're right. It's it's gonna be less than 20 grand, I'm sure, because it's not gonna take much when people are hungry. And and I don't mean hungry like starving. I want people to understand that. It means I'm used to eating ribeyes and now I'm eating chicken because I can't afford the ribeye. I want the ribeye. Mm -hmm. And they're gonna take that money to go get the ribeye. They're not gonna go take it to go pay off debt. We saw this with Louis Vuitton bags in 2020 with stimulus money. We know where the people are going to go. Hmm. They're not going to be starving. They're going to be wanting, if that makes sense. So you're right. The customer acquisition cost is going to go down from there. But I just try and shock people in like, you know, because at 20 grand, people go, oh, yeah, I could see that working. You know what I mean? At, at five or 10 yeah. grand. Like, yeah, no, I'd never accept it. We're like, eh, you haven't been uh, there. They'd accept it for 500 bucks at the right time. If it's timed correctly, I think it's going to be a very small number. And that's all it's going to have to be. You know, what you just said about the trend in Louis Vuitton bags in relation to stimulus checks. I, I love that because it identifies love it or hate it, right? I don't love that that's what occurs, right? Yeah. But it is what occurs. So knowing that's reality, it can give you a significant competitive advantage if you can 
separate yourself from that trend, right? So yes. we're all playing the same game here, right? But you can play it however you want to. So when you think about that trend, right? You don't want to, you get the stimulus check. The first thing you do is buy a Louis Vuitton bag or a ribeye. What are you doing right now? Yeah, what are you perfect. doing? Perfect. Great example. So I, the last house I sold, I sold in 2018 and I bought silver and Bitcoin, right? Bought Bitcoin at like 3,200 bucks. And I, I mean, that wasn't my first Bitcoin. I was into it for a lot longer than that. But I had $3,200, then I bought my silver and I want to say 14 bucks. And uh, I, I think all in cost was like 1450 because I was buying generic rounds, right? And people sit back and they looked at me as real estate kept going up, like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, cool, I'm an idiot. I bought Bitcoin and silver. And, and, and still today's day, I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. I bought Bitcoin and silver. Mm -hmm. How do you think I feel now? You know, even at the peak of real estate, I was doing just fine, but I was looking at the bigger trend. And then as the stimulus money came out, I literally just bought more of it. That's just, I just bought more. And I know a handful of people that did, and they're greatly blessed from it. Um, that is key, what you just said about, um, you know, taking advantage of the people that are buying. I mean, I would literally go buy a Louis Vuitton and look at these people out the line. I'm like, yeah, and I, I like nice stuff too, but oh my gosh, seriously, a name? No, I'll go buy a fine leather bag from Italy that has no name on it, pay one-tenth of the price, and it's built even better, right? Mm. And my point being is that I watch these and I go, this would get me pumped and excited because I'm like, I'm going to buy their house and their house and their <laughs> house. And I'm not joking. I'm going to buy their houses. I know people that bought Louis. That's all they could talk about. And I'm like, I already know your finances. I know what your house payment is. And I like your house. And people, some people go, they hear that and they go, that's so mean of you. Well, I'm trying to wake up millions of people, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to help as many people as I can, but the facts are not everyone is going to care. They're not going to listen. They're going to roll their eyes at you. They have no concept that we're in a commodities bull run. And pretty soon when silver takes off to the moon, and I mean, not tomorrow, but when it does, when the masses figure out, like there's no money in my bank and the masses found out, what do you mean? I can't have my cell phone without silver, water filter, Tesla, you know, they're going to finally figure out, oh, it's worth something just like lithium right now. And so, like you said, this is the time to get excited and pumped about this. Try and help as many people like you are and like I am. But at the same time, let's take the people that are listening and go, let's go on the greatest ride of our lives and go crush it financially. Yeah. And I don't think it's a selfish endeavor to focus on personal wealth creation as a top priority. You know, there's, if you're right, then what, what's going to occur in the next three to five, 10 years is devastation for a lot of people. Yeah. And people are going to need rocks to lean on, right? And Amen. so build your foundation. Because if, if you've done that properly and you've built a surplus of wealth, then you have the option of helping people out, right? You don't have to, but you have the optionality, right? If you're dependent on that next stimulus check, you don't have that option, right? You're, yeah. you're at the mercy of, of the current. And, and I agree, and I love that you build it on a rock. That solid rock of foundation is cash, getting out of debt. And then if you want to use debt, put it in the proper entities so that your core position, your life, your home, your food supply, all those things that you take care of your family and enjoy life with are protected through legal entities. That's the most important part mm. to me. Yeah, you know, we could do a whole series on that, actually. I do want to pivot to another thing that you mentioned prior to us hitting record. You're watching the diesel shortages in the U.S., and you mentioned this as a lagging indicator. Um, we can speculate, every, you know, it's also maybe a leading indicator of what's to come as a shortage next, right? Anything that requires energy as an input. So what are you seeing on the diesel front right now and what's catching your eye? Yeah. So what constantly blows my mind, again, a lot of people comment, they go, no, diesel shortage in my town, because I just got an email from somebody that says literally from Georgia, they've been camping and from Georgia to Florida, they've already found six uh, fuel stations in the last week that have been literally out of diesel, completely out signs up, 
They're barricaded around the pumps. Don't even come here. There's no diesel. They right. emailing me and people are starting to talk about this. Now you don't see this in the mainstream media until it's really big, right? So the point is it's actually happening. The government physically officially came out with a warning 25 days ago or 20 days ago. And they said, this is coming. And a lot of people laughed it off and didn't care, except for my subscribers. They went out and took care of things, right? They filled up their tank, got a couple extra jerry cans just in case. Yeah. Um, but you're right. The input costs are going to be uh, catastrophic. Now, what people still say is, I get those dumb comments every time, every once in a while. And it's, it's good to address the dumb comments to give reassurance to the people that are prepared and not scared, but also use it as fuel for the fire. And they go, no, no shortage here. And I go, well, well, the national average is hitting around $5 right now. It's spiking. That actually means there's a shortage. And it's the same thing with food. I don't care if there's food on your, at your grocery store. The, the fact of the matter is the most basic fundamental of economics 101 is that supply and demand uh, are what uh, can contributes to price action. And when prices go up, it's because there's less of it. You know, demand hasn't even increased. Nobody's eating more today than they were in 2020, but the costs have gone up because there's more money in the um, economy and there's less food to get to the shelves. That's just a fact. There, I can go to any grocery store now and see, I was out one the other day and there was three ketchup bottles all lined up in the front and it looked full if you're looking down the aisle. But when you look straight into the aisle and get mm. depth and think about this metaphorically, the depth of clarity, right? When you look into it, as far back as in history as you can go is how far and understand history is how far you can see it in the future because nothing changes. There's nothing new under the sun. So when you look into that grocery shelf and you go, there's only three ketchups there, but there's room for like another seven mm -hmm. and the price has gone up. That's because they know you're going to pay higher prices because they're paying higher prices because there's less of it. So that that slow uh, waning price increase going from supply destruction to higher prices is what most people don't understand. And that's what blows me away. And would you speculate, therefore, that food shortages in North America, and I know we're protected relative to a lot of other countries in the world in terms of our supply, uh, of both energy and food. But do you think food shortages here at home will get fairly severe and in terms of, you know, we've yes. seen them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is very scary. So I used to own a real estate brokerage and our specialty, our bailiwick was we would go to farmers and we would say, Hey, would you like to sell to a pension fund? And uh, I know the economy is in a crash. I literally did this in like 2017, 2018 would go to these massive farms and go, look, um, market's going to turn down. Uh, why don't we sell to a pension fund? And then we'll write it in the contract where you get to run the farm. Your family still gets money to run the farm for the next like 10 years. And farmer's eyes are just bugging out of their head. Like you could do that. I'm like, heck yeah. And I'm like, this, this is the way it's going. I can already see it. Well, the sad thing is in America, North America, US, we're one of the only countries that just allows other countries to own our land. And they don't understand. We don't understand how very serious this is. We saw this with, you know, under Clinton in the early 90s, where we started to see the Chinese move in and buying ports. And that's very scary because they can control the port now, right? Um, now they were doing it. Saudi Arabia has actually set up offices. They did this five, six years ago in America. And they're specific uh, job is to buy up as much farmland as they can. Uh, all around the Colorado River, they've been buying it up. Chinese have been buying it up and everything's going good, right? Because we export food. We've got a lot of food. Here's the problem. They can easily shift and they've already done it. They, they prioritize the food that goes from here over to their own country and nothing's happened yet. No, not a big deal until all of a sudden we start going through a shortage because of farmers not being able to get fertilizer or having to pay higher prices in diesel, right? Or more regulations on our farmers uh, that are uh, producing for here um, uh, through Congress. And people don't understand a long time ago, Congress and other governments got real smart and they said, 
you're going to make avocados here. You're going to ship them to other countries. And then we're going to buy avocados from Mexico. And people yeah. are like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. As a matter of fact, I live next to one of the largest avocado groves in the country, right? Supplies a massive amount of avocados. They go, other than the farm stand, they go to another country. The reason why governments like that is because we charge them tax, charge them tariffs. Money goes to the government. Well, the problem is if we got tight and uh, we said, uh, Saudi Arabia, you can't uh, send more grain and all this stuff, this food over to your own country. We want it here. They go, no, oh, we're just not going to grow anything. And watch what happens. Just We're not going to plant this here. Mm-hmm. And they own the land. They have the right to do that. The government's not going to intervene and go, we're just going to take your land because they're all in bed together. And that's what people don't realize. So yes, do I believe we're going to see food shortages? Yes. I already know we are, like I said, of the depth of the grocery store. We have never, I mean, I'd love to see people comment on this too. Have you ever seen in your lifetime uh, shelves this barren in the grocery Mm. store? Even if there's four or five ketchup bottles there, have you ever seen it to where it's not fully stocked? And I think we've seen a prolonged episode of this over the last couple of years. I think it's going to get worse. I agree. Yes. And that's definitely the case in my, and I live in a little town just north of Vancouver by about an hour, uh, good separation from the city, but close to it when I need to be. But yeah. The, the oddest things are in short supply. I was running a, I was in a race in uh, Laguna beach. Um, I don't know, a month ago nice. and the little, uh, the material they make the, the, um, badges out of, I can't remember what they're called, but you know, you got your number, you're running a marathon. They got the, you know, it's a special sort of paper plastic, Yep. you know, c- could not be found. And they had these sort of makeshift budget paper badges everybody was wearing they were just ripping off and it's like this the weirdest little things right are just in uh incredibly short supply not just well, food think jay sorry to interrupt but what you just described is what we saw a little bit on a small scale back in 2020 2021 where food companies could not physically source the amount of plastic that they needed specifically for packaging so yeah. you could have all the food in the world but if you have a shortage in the packaging supplies you physically can't get it to the right people. And we also saw this where they were dumping semi-trucks of milk out in fields because they had to milk the cows, but they didn't have the way to get it because restaurants were closed. And now this is something else that people don't realize with food shortages. There are companies that specifically only sell to restaurants in big uh, numbers, they're just wholesalers. And if they don't have the orders coming in because the restaurants are closed and you're not only gonna see what we saw a forced closing of restaurants, right? Or going outside and eating, you're gonna see uh, the closure of restaurants due to I mean, I went to dinner the other night and I was just blown away. I have the money, thank heavens, to go out to dinner, but I'm looking at the prices going, these have literally doubled. So mm. there's nobody in the restaurant. There was only two people in the restaurant, really nice, higher end restaurant. Pretty soon they're going to close their doors, which means those suppliers of food aren't going to have anyone to sell. They're going to mm. close their doors. Even though you have a glut of, of literally milk and just getting dumped into a field, there are people all around going, I wish I could have that. Why are you doing it? Because they simply can't package it fast enough to get to you in a crisis. Yeah. And that's, that's what happens with, you know, interdependent systems when you scale the way we have, right. I mean, that's, that's a symptom of globalization. So do you feel that we're, we're reverting right now? I mean, we've, my entire life we've existed in this increasingly globalized economy that is dependent on trust, right? And if countries around the world trust each other, then you can take your products to market. And if you're a U.S. manufacturer, you can take your labor to market. You can hire U.S. laborers. Too expensive. Go to Mexico. Too expensive. Go to China. Okay, right here. It's perfect. Right. Same thing with energy. You can outsource. Right. You can purchase domestic energy. Go to Russia. Go to Saudi Arabia. Take it to market. Find the cheapest product, and then cheap cash flowing from the United States. But that works as long as everybody trusts each other. Right. Yes. And now we're reshoring these industries. Deglobalization, which I would argue is more of a reversion to the mean. I don't think this is. We're going into some new, uh, new territory. This is probably 
more of a reversion to how the world has worked for most of our existence, right? But it's going to throw a lot of people off because we're so used to like on-demand inventory, right? And yep. and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper goods. So, you know, how, how can you set yourself up to, and, and do you think I'm right there? Do you think this is the next sort of couple decades? Yeah, let me right? dive in and I'll talk about setting yourself up because I love the word trust. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about who invented the term trust or the feeling of trust when it came to the supply chain. That was Henry Ford. Henry Ford was known not for just building the, the Model T, then the Model A and all those other vehicles that turned into a, a huge, amazing company. He was known for automating the system and the just-in-time delivery system. We, they figured out that like, if we just put these vehicles on a conveyor belt, we don't need the tires until the tires go on. We don't need yeah. the paint until the paint is needed and so on. Now let's look at what's happening right now and use Ford as an example. Ford is cratering right now. They just came out with horrible guidance uh, into the future and they're trying to change so fast like, crap, we're not selling stuff over here so we're going to go electric. No, guys, it's because you didn't have enough chips because of the just-in-time delivery system. So those cars are coming. We're building, building, building tires, paint, metal, seats, chips. Wait, stop. They stopped the whole <laughs> conveyor belt. Now yeah. they're like, oh crap, what do we do? Well, we didn't think ahead. Well, there was a, what's happening? There was a frost in Texas. Oh, and then mysteriously a plant in Japan burnt down. Weird. Then we're left with no chips. Isn't that weird? And so rather than just the smallest part, the, one of the cheapest parts of the vehicle that they couldn't just like somebody walk in, literally be the savior of Ford, walk in with a box and go, all right, I got about 50,000 chips in here and he's holding it. And he could, they have to put these vehicles now in the field. And they're sitting there literally rotting. Tires are rotting. Seals are drying up. Blows me away. Mm. All stopped. So how do people save themselves? It sounds funny. You start with the basics. I like to eat food. I eat vegetables. Well, I could buy a canned good. I used to tell people, I used to go around to churches and schools. I was warning people like crazy in 2012, 2015. I said, if you want to beat the stock market soon, all you got to do is buy a, canned, a thing of canned peas or green beans. Because over the next three years, uh, that that cost is going to go up on a greater percentage than your major indexes. And people laughed. But right now, why wouldn't you, for the heck of it, go and buy a year worth of, uh, and be reasonable. Don't buy things you normally don't eat, just some canned goods. Start there. Once you have that, you have the peace of mind. I'm like, the world come apart. I'm still going to eat for a year. Then you look at storing some cash. You know, in an inflationary environment, most people are trying to cheat the system and borrow a bunch of money against their house and get a car payment and then and then get ready for hyperinflation to come and they're going to pay it off with hyperinflated dollars. What they don't realize is hyperinflation comes because everybody loses their butt and the market can stay more, um, you know, irrational then you can stay solvent. That's actually why crash has happened. So there's a lot of people that seem to think they read a book from the Weimar Republic and a dude that owned, you know, uh, had some debt and then paid it off with hyperinflated dollars or like the Civil War uh, veterans, you know, that had the greenback that had, that was fought in, uh, uh, you know, the Supreme Court because they were paying off their mortgages. That was luck. Most people are never going to see that. So what people don't realize is that cash actually has a strong is a strong position in a highly inflationary environment because there's deals. I'm already getting calls from people that are buying cars, uh, literally the toy cars, the 69 Mustangs, those things that are Camaros that people always wanted because they're like, dude, I can't afford my house payment now. I, I'm in trouble. So I'm selling my toys. There's always opportunities. Deflationary spikes down before the big one comes. So people need to have some cash and then people need to go back into gold and silver. I mean, for heaven's sakes, it's the most hated asset, which means I love it the most. And yeah. to think that you're not going to see higher gold prices in the future, you're nuts. So that's just my take. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, uh, 
Yeah, that's kind of how I build my wealth bucket, right? And I start with super basics, like primitive assets, honestly, like gold and silver and cash. And uh, ca cash is a low utility asset until it's not, right? And then it's, yes. you know, it's incredibly valuable to have. Uh, funny, your comment about canned food. Robert Kiyosaki was blowing up Twitter this week, telling people to invest in canned tuna for the same reasons that you just described. Yep. I look, I want to point people to your channels, obviously Economic Ninja, Real Estate Ninja, two YouTube channels that people should check out. Anywhere else we should point them? No, I'm all over the internet. I just pop up in weird places like a ninja. So I just, I don't know what I'm going to be doing next week, let alone, you know, next month. But uh, yeah, it's it's been an amazing trip. Um, just, uh, I just can't get over how fast things are growing. But it's 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 true testimony to the, the people are waking up. And that's what gets me excited. Um, not looking forward to elections, but I am looking forward to two years from now as this thing shakes out and we start to see people really gain from the fruits of their labor. Like you said, you're filling your wealth buckets. And when those start to fill and you're now taken to a, a higher class of human being, then you have even more options and the ability to help others. And that's what I'm getting really excited about. So just look at economic in January on the internet. You'll find yeah. me. And you're, you're growing fast. And as you said, that's one bull market that is just front and center for me right now is the bull market and appetite for macroeconomics and understanding macro finance. There's a hunger like I've never seen before where the you know people in gross numbers want to figure out what the hell is going on out there. Yeah. Yeah. I actually started a course just specifically to help people with that, like how to start a side business or side hustle, like literally just logical ideas and why you want to start a business with cash and why you want to start small and telling my story of how I went from selling electric trains on eBay to buying millions of dollars in real estate when I was in my early twenties and why you want to stay small because this is the greatest opportunity on earth to start your own business because I want you in a cash position, having money to buy businesses that are going out of business. And that's what I did in 2008, 2010. I was just buying, literally going into a store and buying all their inventory and then, and then flipping it. Great wow. opportunities. All right. Look, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor. Follow or subscribe to this podcast. Drop me a rating and a review and share this with a friend. All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.